0: Welcome in to the Cover Five podcast. I am your host, Jordan vanik You can find me over on Twitter at Jordan vanik DFS. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Hilo at Hilo FF over on the Twitter. Hilo, I'm sorry for your uh Green Bay Packers this past weekend. That was a that was a rough one for you because it you guys should have won that game, which was extremely surprising to my end, but definitely one of the ones that uh you have a bright future, at least. You you're kind of similar to where the Texans are, where you're like, oh. Well, we had way better than you thought you were going to have, and you also got the gift of no more Joe Barry on defense. hopefully someone uh, new comes in. Which do you want, Brandon Staley or no?
1: Uh, I think Staley's fine as a DC. When he is managing a team, he's a he's bass backwards. Um, yeah, it was very bittersweet. I knew, like for the future, it was probably better that we lost that game, um, but. At the same time, like holy hell, after week twelve, Packers fans did not think we had a chance at anything. I mean, we we're kind of writing it off, like, oh, who are we gonna where we're we gonna land up in the end up in the draft? And then we went on a toward stretch, one seven to nine to get into the postseason, won that wild card game. Uh so it was kind of like playing with house money a little bit, but at the same time, it was like, Man, we gave that game away. Like,
0: yeah, <laughs> we just I mean stop
1: playing in the fourth quarter.
0: Hey, those, those receivers though, Dontavian Wicks blocking Chase Young and Bosa was yeah. you know, a special oh. one, but let's get into the championship weekend where we will be breaking down both games from a DFS perspective. I say we talk about some things from a showdown side of things, as well as uh, the two game slate. We're going to start off Kansas City Chiefs traveling to Baltimore. Baltimore's hosting their first ever AFC championship. You also have the spot of, they're bringing out. Everybody, did you see the list of people who are attending this one? No, they have T. Sizzle, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, like being like honorary captains, legends of the game. Yeah. Jonathan Ogden, just they're bringing everybody out for this. Obviously, biggest game of Lamar Jackson's career. He gets an at-home playoff birth against the Kansas City Chiefs offense that has clicked. I'm gonna put it in quotation marks uh, the last two weeks because. haven't played any like healthy defense they've played defenses they played some good schemes however though aj klein played 98 percent of snaps last week as a as a linebacker he wasn't on a team four weeks ago yeah so i don't know that's what is your take on this kansas city offense and just starting over overall thoughts on this game with baltimore
1: there's really one primary thing that is different this year for the Kansas City Chiefs because they're still moving the ball. I mean, they're seventh or eighth in yards per game. Um, they're still they're they're still doing the things between the twenties that we come to we've grown accustomed to with this Kansas City Chiefs team under Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but they are trash this year in the red zone. Uh, you look at their red zone touchdown rate; they dr- have dropped 19 percent in red zone touchdown rate compared to last season that is the second highest drop in red zone touchdown rate this season second only to the Daniel Jones list New York Giants um so you look at this game it's very very interesting because we have two of the top 5 defenses in most metrics uh across from around the league um no matter where you look they're top 5 in most metrics so yards per game games or points allowed per game um all these they're very stout against the pass um and these defenses now are very different than and they're they're run schematically different than they have in the past as well. Um, one, the Baltimore Ravens have struggled with some linebacker injuries. We know the safe the uh, secondary injuries that they've had this season that um but still through all of that, they're still a top two team against the past, no matter pretty much wherever you look. And that speaks volumes to this defensive scheme that Mike McDonald has uh, instilled here. So, It's very, very interesting to dissect this game because we have two offenses that are moving the football with the best of them. The Ravens ranked number two in red zone touchdown rate this season, which is why they put up 30 or more points in eight of their final 10 games this season. They are scoring points. We we talk a lot about the san francisco 49ers and their ability to score 30 points almost at a, a very regularly almost um i mean they were what 10 of 13 with debo samuel brock purdy their full supporting cast at scoring 30 plus points this season the ravens went eight of ten eight of their final 10 games they scored 30 or more points so they are clicking on offense and both of these defenses are top five units. And now we're the big question mark is, are the Kansas City Chiefs going to be able to score when they, which they are likely to do, move the football into the red zone? When we look at last week, they only ran 47 offensive plays. They still had seven possessions. They scored on five of them. One was a possession at the, the end of the first half where they ran one play, were sacked, and uh, took a knee after. The other, um, sorry, they scored on four, wait, I don't know. They had that one possession at the end of the first half. They had that turnover that was a fumble into the end zone. um, And that was, and they had one punt at the end of the game. That was it. So they had eight total possessions. They scored on five of them, um, including all three first half possessions. So this team is like, this team is clicking, but they are still, I mean, their first two possessions last week against the Bills, they had to kick field goals because their drive stalled in the red zone. So that is like the key deciding factor for how this game is going to play out, in my opinion, is are the Kansas City Chiefs going to be able to score when they enter the red zone? So the fact that we have these two offenses that are moving the football, these two defenses that are top five units, it just introduces this rather wide range of outcomes for this game itself. Um, Because we know these, we know these offenses, the primary pieces are like high concentration amongst the primary pieces. I mean, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, 54% of their targets in the postseason have gone to one of two guys. It's gone to Travis Kelsey or Rasheed Rice. You look at the Baltimore Ravens, one guy is playing a near every down role, and that is rookie wide receiver Zay Flowers. There's some uncertainty there with Mark Andrews. Is he gonna come back to a full allotment of snaps? I would think probably not. Um, I mean, he did get in two full practices at the end of last week. They ultimately held him out. Um but yeah, this, this game just has a really wide range of outcomes. And if you look at like schematically how each team is likeliest to move the football, it's heavily biased towards the ground. So that should do a couple things. That should suppress overall total play volume, and it should also like present these opportunities for splash plays. The Chiefs and the Ravens have both been very good defensively at suppressing splash plays. But the fact that we expect both of these teams to kind of focus or have at least the most success because we know the Kansas City Chiefs are high pass right over expectation team. We know that they're near the top of the league in pass attempts per game, but the where they should find the most success is is on the ground and what that opens up behind it through the air is the big question so that was a long roundabout like way of basically just diarrhea of the mouth i'm mouthing my way through that um but yeah (laughs) this game has a wide range of outcomes and i think the overall like how it's going to unfold probably comes down to the chief's ability to put put the football in the end zone from the red zone
0: yeah i mean the the ravens have dominated Every top scheme. The, the one coach that actually put up a lot of points on them um, with their particular scheme was Sean McVay and the mm-hmm. Rams. Uh, not that Mahomes can't do it. I just, I've seen this offense stall so much throughout this year. They somewhat got better these past two weekends, but it's like with that, those were, again, those were just teams that were just depleted. Like, Xavier yeah. Howard wasn't playing. Uh, Jerome Baker wasn't playing. Javon Holland wasn't playing. They were starting James Houston and Bruce Irvin as their edge rushers. Like, yeah, they didn't – like, the Dolphins didn't have a defense. They were also just blitzing and just praying that – They had to. They had to. Yeah, Eli fans? Apple and them would hold it up in one-on-one situations, and it actually kind of worked. Like, they, they made that a very – not competitive game was the word i do you say, but like it wasn't Chiefs just rolling them, it that wasn't was only
1: chance. Oh, like
0: they weren't, it didn't feel like wow, there's just nothing Miami could have done against this Mahomes offense. It was like, man, Tua and the offense can't do anything against Chiefs defense. Like the Chiefs defense has been what has impressed me the most, um, this postseason because obviously all year yeah. stags. The, those defensive backs and what they're doing is just tremendous. But this now they is have the, a bunch of injuries, too, which is interesting, too. They yeah. have an
1: injury at every level in the, in the defense this week.
0: Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is Mark Andrews is back. You talked about the mm-hmm. Ravens having eight of their last 10 games with over 30. Yeah. How many games is Mark Andrews available for that? Like four of them. Four? Yeah, four of them. Mm-hmm. Like that's cr- like for me, I'm looking at it. Well, the Ravens, from a personnel standpoint, are going to be a nightmare. They run three tight ends, and one of their tight, quote, tight ends is uh, Patrick Ricard. And then they throw out of that formation because yeah. Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely are, are great receivers. They did it with Charlie Claire. like They're going to do it with Mark Andrews. Um, they Receiver-wise, they just rotate, and they don't really yeah. hyper-target any of them because there's just no reason. They just kind of look up like, oh, who's winning today? Like. Is it Zay Flowers? Cool. Like, we want Zay Flowers to be the guy, but we don't need him to be the guy. Like, their best receiver had, what? I think Zay Flowers. Was it Zay Flowers? Who were Rashad Bateman who had? No, Zay Flowers has 40, had 41 yards last week, and they won by three scores. Yeah, he it's, was their
1: top receiver, but he only saw, like, six targets and put up 40, 41 yeah, yards or something. It he was,
0: like they don't need any of them to individually be great. And it's like the chiefs have been dealing with teams that need one player to do that. Like they need the bills needed digs. The dolphins needed Tyreek Hill. This is a team that they don't need anybody in particular. They just need somebody. And that's going to be a really intriguing, intriguing factor. And then on top of it, again, I talked about the Kansas city chiefs defensive backs playing so well, if you're going three tight ends with Patrick regard, you're taking yeah. one of those good defensive backs off the field and you're in, putting another linebacker. And that is what has killed this coverage all season long for the Chiefs. Their linebackers have been bad in space. Um, they've dealt with a lot of injuries, but overall, it's yeah. just a very difficult group. And then the whole statistic about the Chiefs being a bad run defense from shotgun formations. um, I don't know. I know I don't buy too much into that because like the whole league doesn't exactly defend the run great at a shotgun and the Chiefs get you into a lot of third and longs and a lot of like those negative plays. So teams run halfback draws against them and then they get give up a ton of yards because that's just what usually happens (laughs) when you run a halfback draw against that. Um, And then also the Raiders, they just bullied them them in their game. So the way I see his game playing out I think it's a low scoring one personally. I think that the Baltimore Ravens defense is something that it's going to go back to what we saw with the Chiefs during the regular season, where it's like, wow, why can't they move the football? Why are they struggling again? And maybe Kelsey has a drop or two because that's another thing that has happened plenty this year where it's like drive killers or, and then uh, the Baltimore side of things, I don't think they're going to be an explosive offense. I do believe they're going to be a methodical one. Like Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson. He's what top five all time in rushing yards per game in the playoffs of anybody. It's averaging like 92 yards rushing per game last week. He ran for hundred again in two scores. Yeah. yeah. And so the way from a DFS perspective that I'm going to be playing this game, I think you could just go Lamar and Kelsey and just do a mini stack in that way. I don't think you need to overstack Lamar.
1: Yeah. I've, So this this is a very weird game because we talked about the fact that like Rasheed Rice, Travis, Kelsey and. um, Pacheco, and no, well, yeah, I guess Rasheed Rice, Travis, Kelsey, Pacheco and then like Zay Flowers. Those are the only players that we should expect to see 80 percent of the offensive snaps or more. And out of all the skill position players in this game. Yeah. But what that what that also does is it. Provides a path to value for all the secondary and tertiary guys. I mean, Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman. I don't uh, know if you can uh, trust Odell, man. Odell you ran can't eight trust, routes, man. He's you can't so trust any of these guys. But what if one of those guys scores at a sub four K salary? Yeah. Uh, to Justin Watson, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Um, yeah. You no, know, great like any of these guys. If any of these guys score, they're going to be in the optimal conversation because this slate the overall like macro how how it's built right now it's very top heavy as far as salary goes so like we want to play Lamar we want to play um we want to play some of these guys from the San Francisco and Lions game that we're going to talk about here shortly um I mean Amon Ross St. Brown Sam Laporta um George Kittle debo samuel if he plays um brandon iuk if debo is out like yeah. or even even if debo's in brandon i represents we'll talk about that here shortly but all these guys are priced up christian mccaffrey we want to play all those guys but it's like how do we fit those guys in we need something in the form of value and i think this game probably brings that value piece i have no freaking clue who it's going to be
0: i, I mean i would six bet seven guys i mean personally i would bet on bateman for Baltimore. I don't yeah, think I mean, he's like... going to come off the field. I know that Zay is and him played like the full time role with Likely last week. Likely shouldn't be in the full time role just mm-hmm. because of Mark Andrews. I don't hate Likely in this aspect at all, but Rashad Bateman seems to be the player that he can like Lamar can lean on even when it's kind of contested. Like well, the I mean, player like... that gets those you know third and six, he wins on a slam. That type of play. Even so, I mean like. You
1: say Bateman was that every down player. He played 65% of the snaps last week. 80% of the routes, though. Yeah. I mean, Nelson Aguilar (laughs) was not too far behind him, around 60% of the routes. So um, this is very difficult for, like, human psychology to get through. Is that, like, I know what situation will... put me in the best put a player in the best position to accrue fantasy points like we know it's volume in backfields we know it's routes run uh and all the other shit that we look at through the air i'm saying like it might that stuff might not matter here as far as these guys that are priced 4500 and below and there's seven or eight of them from this game because one of them is highly likely to see four to six targets and put up a something like a 40 and a four for 40 line that is probably going to matter or score a touchdown. Like if if like Noah Gray scores a touchdown and then one of the three big tight ends, like like Sam LaPorta, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey puts the slate out of reach. Would that be like in the optimal discussion? Probably. Is it also possible for like two of those three elite tight ends to put up a score that, just puts all the other wide receivers out of reach. Like, yeah. So this is just a very interesting slate is like, where's the value coming from? Another potential option is Justice Hill. I mean, he is likely, I would say, to see that like lead 1A to the 1B, 1C role, I think, out of the backfield. He has seen, what is it, 56% or more of the offensive snaps in three out of the last four games for Baltimore. He has led the team in running back opportunities in three out of the last four games. Whoa. Dalvin Cook yeah. is back. We don't know, like, or nah, he, didn't to Lafort, he didn't play the for
0: fourth though. Yeah, exactly. Dalvin so Cook it's like, it's there.
1: so it's like, I mean, what is Gus Edwards? Gus Edwards is that like early down short yardage grinder? Like Justice Hill at least brings like, and the reason I say that is he's priced at forty eight hundred. He's five hundred less than Gus Edwards. He also is the two minute drill back. He also is the preferred pass catching down back so he has more outs we'll say um as far as like us edwards you need him to rumble for because this is relatively like okay matchup pretty difficult all around you need him to like get 80 yards and a score if he doesn't do that he's not going to do anything for fantasy lineups. so at least justice hill like gives you hey he probably leads the team in snap rate hey he probably leads the team in running back opportunities he has the two minute drill role. He has the potential pass catching rule. So I don't know. Justice Hill is a another potential salary saver from this game, I think.
0: No, I don't mind Justice Hill at all. Again, we're attacking like the way to beat the Chiefs is attacking your linebackers in coverage. The way you attack linebackers in coverage yeah. is usually slot receivers, running backs, tight ends. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get their linebacker on Zay Flowers. If they do, that's just okay. I guess Bags wants to lose there. Um, they're going to be playing a lot of cover four, a lot of cover 2 They're going to be playing a lot of zone, which they can press on it. But like Mina Kimes talked about it on the podcast with, I can't think of who else, but she was talking about Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the NFL against four man rushes. He's mm-hmm. the best quarterback in the NFL. When you blitz them, Lamar Jackson has just been like, He's statistically the best, quarterback, the best quarterback in the NFL. Like, yeah there's no one thing that they could do they're just gonna have to like the Ravens lost the Steelers this year if you watch that game the amount of drops that the Ravens had that Lamar was just throwing money balls it was like yeah how are we uh like how is this happening the Chiefs are gonna have to just find a way to just stay on top of everything and contain them but I don't
1: Yeah. And look what look what Josh Allen was able to do to exploit the Chiefs last weekend. Yeah, it's they didn't spy him. Well, I mean, they wanted to, but the player that they would have had spying him left the game, which was Willie Gay, which is also has not practiced this week. So, yeah, um, that's another interesting aspect of this game is like, how do they handle the mobility of Lamar Jackson? And I don't think they have an answer. Their answer was Willie Gay, and he's probably not going to play.
0: Yeah, they, I don't think they really have that Uh, that answer. But overall, though, so from this game, from like DFS perspective, rank the big three of the Chiefs, Pacheco, Kelsey and Rasheed Rice.
1: I mean, dude, that's that's freaking hard to do. Um, Any one of them. And it is probably. So if I'm Andy Reid, like, how am I approaching this game? I'm probably wanting a higher early down rush rate than I've had in the past. And that is like, that sounds completely foreign because we sit up here and we talk about like, Hey, teams need to be passing more on first down. Um, It's almost the opposite for the chiefs because of how, because of, yeah. But in this spot, because of how freaking good this secondary is, how freaking good Mike McDonald's defensive scheme has been there. They're, Chances of gaining four or five yards on first down are probably greater with Pacheco than they are unless, unless we start seeing Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice being utilized differently because over the second half of the season, they're opening up that offense was basically running them on higher percentage routes down the field. They were running higher percentage of their routes, the five to nine routes, um, as opposed to Rasheed Rice when he came into the league. Um, He was basically just running a shit ton of slants and not really any of these upside generating routes. Travis Kelsey, you look at his utilization in the playoffs this season, and he has kind of been this run eight yards and turn around guy. That is not going to cut it in this spot. So to me... I need more. I, if I'm Andy Reid, I need more crossing motions. I need more running across the field. I need to make sure that I'm picking up four to five yards on first down. I would think that that is most likely to come through Pacheco. And that sounds so freaking so weird hard, to say. Man. It's just, I know. It's just so, it's, this we, Ravens it's like defense. Backwards. is different, man. Like, they are, like last week,
0: dude. Like last week, I, I, I could see the Mahomes Josh Allen game being scoring. I, I, yeah. I said it on the show last week and I kind of felt that way. I mean Mike McDonald's done it all to the Shanahan schemes um but this is a this is an Andy Reid one this is going to be a little bit different and with Kelsey's yeah. route it's so funny cuz it's like this man just runs the open space <laughs> like I don't know how people chart his routes cuz it feels yeah. like he just goes and he's like where what coverage are they playing like that's what's going through his head what coverage are they playing how are they operating where's the soft spot cool I'm going there and Mahomes is like where's Kelsey where's Kelsey I'm going to yeah. run around where is he He's there. Got him. And MBS came up big last week with a, a big long catch there. But I don't know why they keep giving the ball to McCall Hardman. Um, near the oh, goal God. line. It was a good play call. I just wish they would run <laughs> was it, it with Ricky James.
1: Was it you that said on Twitter, hey, you, you don't want the NFL rule to be. Somebody said on Twitter is like, um, like, if you don't, if you don't like the fumble out of the back of the end zone rule, like don't give the ball to McCall Hardman. No, that wasn't so. me. I, <laughs> oh, somebody said that. I was laughing. At I that, so. think.
0: Just on topic to that, I think the rule for that should be like loss of down and you're at the 15 from goal line. So like if that was a third down and goal, you go to the 15 and it's fourth and goal. If you have a player who catches a freaking bomb and goes all the way and try Justin Jefferson against the Eagles last year, it's second and goal from the 15. Like I think it should be a like you shouldn't be able to get the first down without a penalty. And you should be at the 15 because that is where our extra points are. And if it's a field goal, that's an extra point. It kind of feels fair. We've seen that be missed. Um, And I don't want to change
1: of possession is terrible. It's
0: just too significant of a penalty. Considering if we fumble out of the one, it's you're just at the one. Like you should just be losing the down and losing yards because you did fumble out of the end zone. It should just be a 15 yard. but regardless um that's not here or there we're not in the rules changing thing so on the raven side are you going to be playing into the uncertainty of mark andrews or are you going to be waiting to see where you know projections put them at with the uh, the field and how they're reacting to it
1: yeah that's a very interesting theoretical discussion to have if we did not have like elite options at the tight end position The answer would be more leaned towards yes, buying into Mark Andrews. Um, The fact that Sam Laporta is on the slate, the fact that George Kittle, the fact that Travis Kelsey are on the slate is a more, a thinner road or a thinner needle to thread for Mark Andrews to be meaningful unless he is seeing a full allotment of snaps. The other side of that equation is the ownership piece. We know that Travis Kelsey, that Sam Laporta, that George Kittle are going to see ownership. We know that that's probably going to be even more if Debo Samuel doesn't play amongst those three guys, because um, George Kittle would pro- likely see his ownership leap off the page. But at the same time, like, I mean, w- have you looked at ownership? I haven't looked at ownership yet. I haven't Let's looked at it. it
0: just because I want to like get the full clearance on just every all the injury reports yeah. before I even bother. Um, that's I'm going to check be it, it out real quick thing. because.
1: In order to like accurately answer that question, I think we need to look at ownership. So I'm going to think Kelsey's
0: popping,
1: Noah Gray is projected for more ownership than Mark Andrews. So that tells you about as much.
0: Yeah. It's It's... not going to tell us anything.
1: Um, No, I mean, that tells us a lot. It tells us a lot because that that lessens the, that whole argument I just had about like, Noah gray, if he pops in a touchdown, he's probably on the optimal discussion. Um, I mean, Mark Andrews has two touchdown upside here. He has, even if he's playing like 60% of the offensive snaps. Just like he um, did as a
0: rookie and the other years yeah. that he's played in the league. Right? And he still had I'm multiple. Not really, I'm not really worried. As long as he's running routes yeah. every time he's out there and not mm-hmm. really blocking. Because like, that whole snap share with tight ends is always such a funny like debate. It's like, I don't care what the snap share is as long as he runs routes. That's what Mark Andrews yeah. did. He was always mega efficiency and everybody's like well if he just runs the routes of travis kelsey he'll beat travis kelsey and then he just never does and he still manages to put up similar numbers to uh the top tight ends in the entire nfl but i'll be playing mark andrews i will be looking at him with mar jackson and just overall like i'm not in love with this game the san fran detroit game is the way i want to the game i want to get to and i have a unique kind of way i wrote it up in the article and uh that is out on the 3013.com that will be something we get to shortly but do you have anything yeah, else to add about this one
1: yeah real quick before now looking at this ownership it looks like about 155 percent composite ownership on tight ends that means that more than half of the rosters in play are going to have two tight ends on them that's crazy. so that is probably a theoretical mistake um So that whole discussion about like playing multiple tight ends that we had before we looked at ownership um, probably goes out the window here, knowing that over half the field is going to have two tight ends on rosters this week. I am even more interested in a guy like Mark Andrews and the theoretical it's very it goes against like the human brain to say like, now this increases Mark Andrews viability and it does it even further if he's the only tight end on the roster. So that is a very interesting theoretical component now looking at ownership um, that I think bears discussion.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of uh, sense and something that we should definitely get to. But let's move forward to the Detroit Lions traveling to San Fran to take on the 49ers. Detroit Lions they have had a bad secondary this entire postseason. The San Francisco 49ers did not look like the better team against the Green Bay Packers. Brock Purdy wasn't very good. to He looked human, right? He should have thrown a pick six. He had some miscommunication with some of the receivers, mm. but they managed to get it going when it was needed the most, especially to Christian McCaffrey, the, the run Juwan play Jennings, that he had. Goodness, oh, Jawan Jennings put up a really good number. Debo Samuel was hurt. Debo Samuel's hurt shoulder. So... The unique way that I was going to get to about this game is we know the 49ers are the favorite. They are a heavy favorite. What does that tell me about the Detroit Lions? Well, there's a great chance that they're going to be throwing the ball and Jared Goff is going to have to put it out there. Detroit Lions offense line is amongst the top in the NFL we saw the 49ers defensive line not look too great against a very, very good Green Bay Packers offensive line. They gave Love a ton of time to throw. And Jared Goff is a quarterback that that's what he needs. If the field is going to not get to Goff as much as the other quarterbacks, and I look at Jared Goff and I'm thinking, we assume negative game script. We assume the field like 70% in some single entries, three entry maxes will have McCaffrey in their lineups. I look at this and I'm like, what if it's a passing game shootout? What if it is Jared Goff, like getting the benefit, like getting a screen pass to Gibbs, Amon Ross St. Brown is eating against these corners because these corners aren't very good. I I love the 49ers defense. Their corners are not the reason this defense is not good. Their corners were getting killed consistently against the green Bay Packers. Jordan Love was finding their guys but they did this thing called hold the players and defensive pass interference and they didn't care that they gave up the 15 yards cuz at the end of the day the red redzo defense is pretty stout and once they got down there the packers stalled out missed some field goals that's nor here nor there they're going to play cover 4 that's their base coverage that keeps a lot of things in front of them how do you beat cover 4 you got to win over the middle of the field mostly and that's mm-hmm. where Amon Ross St. Brown dominates. He has over 3.6 yards per out run against cover four coverage. He has over 35% target share. He's done it all year against pretty much everybody. I don't think this matchup's any different from him. This is a game where he should be able to win and win consistently. Then obviously, you have Sam Laporta's had a phenomenal rookie year. His knee is made out of titanium because I don't understand yeah. how he's just he's playing and he's playing effectively. And he just He's just good, and again, I think an underplayed stack this week will be a golf, gibbs amanra and running it back without Chris McCaffrey and just going to the other side of the ball and saying, the Detroit Lions secondary is really bad. They are a defense that is blitzing at high rates. They're a defense that is trying to play man with you, be physical, and just at the end of the day, maybe Chris McCaffrey – picks up blitz protection more. Maybe Christian McCaffrey is a guy that handles that slot blitz. And next thing you know, Brandon Ayuk is just streaking down the field wide open because he's in one-on-one coverage, just like Mike Evans was. Or maybe it's George Kittle where as long as you're not throwing it to Kirby Joseph's side of the field, he should totally be okay. Cause that, you know, those knees with Kirby Joseph, scary, scary things to do when you're a tight end catching the ball over <laughs> the middle against the lions. Cause he is, that's where he's hitting you and it's legal. And he's done it. He's torn three ACLs this year, I think
1: two, which is two. Great. And then the, the bone bruise slash. Hyper extension. Yeah, no, uh, Sam Laporta, right?
0: No, Kirby. Oh, Apple. sorry. Kobe. Sorry. I don't know. What no, he did about. TJ Hawkinson. He got Higby, yeah. And I think he was the bone. I think he did that, Higby. He that. Yeah, I think he hurt Cole Komet as well. I could be totally wrong. The last one, but regardless that's there But for, for me, Kittle is still a mismatch for this, uh, obviously 49ers team the lions are going to play a ton of single high they have to they just you can't go too high against the 49ers and expect to kind of win with their front i know that their defense line and linebacking core is much improved from last year this is just an offense that you you don't really want to do that against um and as a result like a golf gives in monra kittle Ayuk double like that is going to be an underplayed stack. I don't – and those are all players that I wouldn't be surprised if Gibbs has 80 receiving and 60 rushing. I don't think he's going to have the same success that Aaron Jones had, but also Aaron Jones and the Packers just gave you guys – like the Lions the blueprint of like, hey, yeah, your receivers do block. Josh Reynolds blocks. He blocks his ass off. Jameson Williams, he tries. He's a little undersized, but I saw Dontavian Wicks <laughs> block been... face young. Yeah, like, Jamison, I've actually been impressed with his blocking over the second
1: half of this season.
0: Yeah, he get, he he's trying. Like, he's out there throwing his body out there and doing yeah. what he's going to do. And so anyways, long story short, is that I think the golf side of this from a passing perspective is unique and underplayed for a team that we know is going to be throwing. Like, he's got to throw in this matchup. It may yeah. be 330 yards passing, three touchdowns, two picks. It could easily be that side of the ball but it doesn't feel like the field is getting to it just because you have Mahomes, like, what, 400 more? And I think Purdy... Isn't Purdy the cheapest quarterback on the slate? Could be wrong. Maybe no,
1: Goff is. Goff is. Goff is,
0: yeah. But, like, regardless, I still think Purdy, Ayuk, and Kittle is going to be way more played than a Golf with Amon Rod Gibbs in that side of the ball. Um, yeah. So, Ilo, how are you feeling about this game? Tell me, tell me what you like about it. Yeah, so...
1: There's one player that has the biggest influence on this game and it's Debo Samuel, whether he plays or not, I think is going to affect this game massively because you look at the four games this year where Debo Samuel was either out or injured in the 49ers scored 17 points, 17 points, 17 points, and 24 points last week against the Packers with 10 in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. So you compare that to their season long average of over 28 points per game. It's very clear that this offense, Brock Purdy and um, and Shanahan, are better when they have Debo Samuel on the field. And why is that? Is because he is this queen chess piece. He is this piece that makes defenses have to account for him. Um, he'll be in motion in the backfield. He'll run jet sweeps without seeing the ball. He'll do all these things because of the threat of Debo Samuel with the ball in his hands is so great. So can the 49ers score early without Debo Samuel or with a hobbled Debo Samuel? I don't know. And if I am sitting in Shanahan's shoes right now, I am saying, how do we score early? Because we know that the strength of our defense is with our front four and our linebacking core. We know our secondary is not it. So how do we remove Jared Goff from the game? We pressure jared goff and how can we do that if we're playing with a lead we can send more pressure yada yada do those different things so in my mind debo samuels the most important singular singular piece for this game also center frank Ragnow is going to play he's been cleared but offensive guard jonah jackson is has been ruled out so that is a hit to this we know that the lines offensive line is one of their um stronger points of their offense so that's a slight hit to um to their expectations of picking up pass pro against this vaunted San Francisco 49ers pass rush. So yeah Debo Samuel and San Francisco's ability to score early and make the Lions play from behind because this team is not built to play from behind. They are built to play close, they are built to play with a lead. So what do you want to do? you want to get Dan Campbell in uncomfortable territory. you want to score early and make him play from behind. They're more likely to do that if Debo's on the field. That said, I do think that the Lions are going to be forced to play more man coverage, more cover one. Dan Campbell is a is a crazy man, um, and we know that their defensive coordinator and kind of his tendencies that we've seen this season. He's been a crazy man as well, but probably not going to see a ton of cover zero. It's probably going to be base cover two with cover one thrown in, depending on the situation. If that's the case, Brandon Ayuk is absolutely set up for an eruption here. He has been kind of this like behind the scenes guy. Um, I mean, he's had like what one blow up game over the last four or five weeks of the season. Yeah,
0: no, he's not he's not in every single snap player. I am absolutely in love with him in this late. I think he's if I had to pick one player that I'd lock into my lineups, it's him.
1: Yeah, so Brandon Ayuk is absolutely set up in this spot. So now it becomes like we can remove the uncertainty with Debo Samuel by saying the line, like we can build rosters to kind of account for that, like theoretical discussion of how this game is going to play out by saying, well, Brandon Ayuk is one of the ways that they can get there quick and early. We can pair Brandon Ayuk with the San Francisco 49ers defense, which is, counterintuitive of some sorts. Most people are going to be like, well, you just play you pair Christian McCaffrey with a San Francisco 49ers defense, because that's what we do. But <laughs> the, the way to give Kyle Shanahan's defense, the freedom to get after a quarterback that struggles with pressure is to score early. And that is more likely to come from Brandon Ayuk or George Kittle and, or I guess, than it is Christian McCaffrey against the defense that is holding opposing backfields to the fewest DraftKings points per game in the league this season. They have not given up 70 yards rushing on the ground all season. This is a very, very good, and it's because of their improvements in the linebacking core that we've talked about. A very, very good team against the run. So there's, yeah, there's interesting ways for to build rosters to account for the different ways that this game could play out. The other side of that coin is like if Debo Samuel's out or if he's hobbled and the 49ers are not able to put up those points early, this game is probably going to play to a more back and forth affair. And that doesn't necessarily mean high scoring. That just means that it's probably going to stay within a possession uh, for deep into the game. That is where Dan Campbell wants to be. So that is where that like mega stack that you're talking about, that mega game stack is extremely pertinent and viable is a for if the game plays out like that, Now we're getting both teams having to stay aggressive on offense and um, we could see it play out a little bit differently. Highly unlikely that the Lions build up a big lead just based on how they're built, how their defense is built. Um, So that's kind of the the tertiary potential outcome of this game. I don't see it playing out, Um, but you can build interesting ways like that by playing both Detroit running backs, um, just saying, hey, they score three or four touchdowns and three of them come on the ground or two of the running backs. Um, interesting way again less likely but there's ways to build for the potential ways that this game could play out that I think the field is not going to be thinking about
0: yeah this is the one where you get different I mean it starts with Christian McCaffrey and it just ends with how you figure that out like yeah McCaffrey to me again he has more games over 30 this year on DraftKings than he does under 20 and even at 9k a 20 point output could end up being optimal um you're you're gonna need some things to kind of go to the other running backs or some of the higher price guys are gonna have to have some of those nuclear performances so that he is not viable in uh this spot so it's like you decide like the first way you start to slate is you decide whether you're playing him or you're not and it's the easiest decision it's the hardest it has the most consequences but like yeah to me it's like all right well I'm gonna go with Kittle and Ayuk here, and if Debo doesn't play, I'm gonna go with Ray, Ray McLeod. If people if people are gonna go all in on Jawan Jennings, I will play Ray Rayray McLeod yeah. because I would much rather have the guy that I know is better on yak. Um, has a role that could be down the field. Uh, they obviously I know Jawan Jennings had a bigger role this past week, and I know that he was targeted down the field. Jawan Jennings to me is the guy that's the chain mover the Kendrick born six years ago for this team. Um, and I think that Ray, Ray McLeod, just from a theoretical, if this guy's not playing and I'm hoping the screen pass goes for 40, like it's him. I, I think he becomes the receiver screen guy for this offense. The dude who lines up at running back and allows McCaffrey to play slot receiver type of a uh, situational player that they want. Obviously, it's not going to draw the attention to Debo Samuel, but it's something that they can do with him.
1: Yeah, that's a that's an interesting shout that I hadn't really pieced together. I, we know that Christian McCaffrey, his last two healthy games, week 16 um, and this divisional round that they played last week, he played 98% and 100% of the offensive snaps <laughs> in those two games. So he's going to be out there the entire game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the other side of that is like who is joan jennings and how is he being utilized look at all of his catches last week they're all over the middle of the field they had him running ins they had him running crossers they had him working up to free brandon ayuk on the perimeter and to free george kittle they didn't necessarily attack those areas because of what the packers defense was what they were trying to do they were trying to limit splash plays the, the i mean It was the first game all season where I had been impressed by Joe Barry. And then he gets fired two days later. Um, Anyway, I digress as a Packers fan. Um, But yeah, Jawan Jennings is not running these uh, uh, upside generating routes. He's running a lot of crossers, a lot of slants and a lot of outs, which puts you catching the football on the sideline. That is not like that requires like eight to 10 targets to return GPP goodness, which is highly unlikely to happen, even if Debo misses. So I like that shout. Ray, Ray McLeod. Um, It'll be interesting to see. um, Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably it's probably Ray, Ray. Um, What's the deal with Ronnie Bell? Is he? He's just a rookie. Because he was inactive last week. Yeah, it's just not hurt or anything, right?
0: No, it's just a rookie stuff. And it's again, like I think if we had if it was a year from now and we were in this exact circumstance, even if he was the inactive last week, I would be more inclined. Um, But it's just because of him being the, the rookie that I don't think yeah. Shanahan puts him out there in this spot. Uh, yeah, not true. after making him inactive and making McLeod active and then having McLeod actually see the field. And again, McLeod yeah. had a chance, like McLeod had a huge touchdown. If the Purdy and him were on the same page of like the corner fell <laughs> and yeah. Purdy decided to throw it like inside and McLeod is just running away from everybody. Cause he doesn't like to take hits. Cause why would you? <laughs> because yeah, um, he's five
1: seven
0: yeah like there's no reason there but that's kind of all i've got for that receiver so out of a monroe saint brown i like JMO from the big playability. i've always chased it that's just you know nor here nor there but um other than that obviously josh reynolds has had some big games in the playoffs i think he plays a similar role uh he's gonna be on the field a lot he's gonna run it on routes not gonna be i don't think there are a lot of high upside routes but i think it's a lot of red zone work but again, we just talked about the 49ers red zone defense is pretty good. And I think if you're going to beat them, I think the big play is like scoring from outside the 20 is just, it's quite frankly, as strange as it sounds, easier. Um, like, yeah. especially for the Lions, who again, I, I saw Frank Ragnow now with those knee and ankle injuries manhandle Vita Vea, but can he do it after a week of dealing with the sprained knee Dude. and sprained ankle? <laughs> He has four injuries
1: listed on their injury report. It's like yeah, knee, hip, ankle, yeah.
0: like <laughs> might as well put <laughs> hip, head, back. He's yeah, his his feelings, like every, every, yeah. <laughs> everything hurts over there. Like he's a he's all pro, all pro dude. Oh yeah. Centers are the craziest people in football because what they deal with on the interior, every single play, Jason Kelsey and Ragnow being the best and what they do for their teams is tremendous. Um yeah. Ragnell in this matchup, it, He got through the Vita Vea game. I think he can keep up with Armstead and uh, and Hargrave, who are just going to be. Yeah, he's trading
1: he's trading brute force for for agility and quickness now. So it's a different animal, (laughs) but still, I mean, good God, that's a murderer's row of defensive tackles. Tell you, oh yeah.
0: Uh, Do you like Jameer Gibbs in this game or no?
1: Yes, I think so. We look at how the Lions have performed and what they've done in the playoffs. 50%, exactly 50% of the targets for their team have gone to Amon Ross St. Brown or Sam Laporte in the playoffs. We now look at the fact that, like, how do we, how do you attack the San Francisco defense schematically? It's deep and on the perimeter. They don't necessarily have that. Um,
0: JMo is J-Mo. A, guy. Yeah. a guy.
1: He's a guy, but he's he hasn't not... done
0: it. But I also think it's golf being gun shy a lot.
1: Yes. And now that they're missing Jonah Jackson, does that help or hurt those chances? So to me, to (laughs) me, to me, Jameer Gibbs is the player that has the most upside to see his role in the passing game grow. Um, And he has the additional out of his team is seven and a half point underdogs right now. And he might see a higher snap rate than David Montgomery. So yeah, I like Jameer Gibbs a good bit. Um, of course, David Montgomery will probably score three touchdowns from the one yard line and completely sink that. Um, but no, yeah, Jameer Gibbs, I think like Jameer Gibbs, Sam LaPorta, Amon Ross, St. Brown is kind of where I'm living and choosing because I just looked at ownership and the field is choosing to get their value. Um, just like last week from the secondary Detroit lions pass catchers, Jameson Williams. Um, and uh, josh reynolds so if the field is going there i kind of want to stick to the primary pieces with adding jameer gibbs into that and look to sneak in some value through the uncertainty from the first game on the slate
0: that makes a lot of sense i don't hate that idea at all Shad bateman's my favorite um guy over there obviously uh you will I mean, Odell, like you, you can play any of them. There's no yeah. right answer. It's just yeah. where my, Chris, my Conley. Chris
1: Conley might be an interesting guy in the same vein as Ray Ray.
0: Um, That's true. I mean, he did yeah. play a little bit. The only thing is it's it's Chris Conley. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We're not it's excited just like, about this. He, he could catch a touchdown on the red zone. I don't think he could do it down the field. Like, I don't like Ray Ray college is interesting. Cause like you may get a punt return. Like. I don't yeah. know. He, he could just return a kick to the house and then stack Ray Ray, it's 49ers DST, Jared Goff, Amon Ross, Sam Vaporto. Bang. Unique. No. Yeah. You what what was kind
1: work. of telling to me last week is Chris <laughs> Conley, like obviously has joined the team late. He's been injured. Um
0: oh, I played him on the played... showdowns slate when Ronnie Bell was forty percent. Yeah. He and played I
1: he played seven more snaps than Ray Ray did last week. Um yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It's an interesting name to keep track of Um, pending Debo, Obviously,
0: that makes sense. But that's all I got for this one. Hilo, do you have anything else you like that? Nope. Well, good luck, buddy. Hopefully uh, you take down everything this weekend because it's always easy to take down two game slates. Uh, Feel free to reach out to me on the Discord. And as always, subscribe to the 3013 fantasy and betting channels so that you can get all of our advice all the great work that we do and be sure to check out the main website my main slate article is out where i just go through a deep dive of these two games and i believe we'll have more articles on the way thanks guys and enjoy your weekend